Good morning. How is everybody this morning? Okay. Are you good or not? Or what's going on? Let's praise Jesus this morning. Come on, stand up with me. Let's sing and praise our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It is a glorious day. Daily lift my hand, for I will always. Be- 
Glad that we're redeemed. God is good, isn't He? Man, we're so thankful that you're here today. It's beginning to look like Christmas around here, doesn't it? 
Man, oh day, it's light up night. Wednesday night, we had light up night of fish up here, wasn't it? It was so awesome. We had our um, Thanksgiving Eve service. If you were here, you were blessed beyond measure. It was incredible. If you missed it, you can catch a portion of it online. We still have that video archive. We can't, uh, there were some things that we couldn't share online, and uh, we were able to share them in live in person. So we're thankful to God for what a great, uh, great weekend it has been here. And I hope that you had a good weekend with your family. Enjoying some extra family time. I know people are kind of coming and going this weekend. It's a, one of those fun times. Uh, just a few announcements today here. First of all, I'd like to remind you that this Thursday and Friday will be our Ernie Haas concert here. Uh, a jazzy little Christmas featuring Ernie Haas and Signature Sound. I want to encourage you, there are still tickets left for Thursday night. Friday night is sold out, but there are still tickets left for Thursday night. You can see Alicia Peterson in the foyer over by the coffee area. And uh, she will help you get a ticket, or you can just go to the church website and get your ticket still. And we are thrilled about the opportunity to have him here this week. This is going to be a, uh, a big opportunity for you to bring somebody to find Christ. So that's what this is all about. I know Sandy Walshack, she brings people every year. Sandy, how many rows did you get this year? How many? Nine, Nine rows. Eight. Eight rows. Eight rows. Let's thank God for that. Isn't that awesome? So um, Sandy has for years, uh, a Christmas event made a big difference in her life, and, uh, and she has for years gone out and brought people to Christ. And so that's one of her big missions. So I want to encourage you, I don't have eight rows of friends. Not that many people would call me their friends, all right? So I have that many enemies. No, I mean, I, have, I don't have that many friends, all right? So I want to thank God for things like that. And so she has all kind of people that are coming. And I want to encourage you, bring somebody uh, that needs Jesus. And they will hear the gospel. It'll be a great time. That's this Thursday and Friday. And then I'll, looking ahead to Christmas Eve, we set our Christmas Eve times at 2, 4, and 6. So I want to encourage you, uh, plan to be here for that. It's going to be a fantastic celebration. Candlelight Christmas Eve. We always have candles on Christmas Eve. So it'll be a candlelight Christmas Eve. I want to encourage you to be here for that, 2, 4, and 6 on Christmas Eve. And then our birthday gift to Jesus. I'd like to update you on our birthday gift to Jesus. We set our goal at 100000 and so far we have about 16000 that has come in. Let's thank God for that. We're moving right along, folks. And as, as that thermometer keeps climbing, I want to encourage you to take that list. That's why we put it in there every week. I want to encourage you to take that list home and pray over it and ask God, what should be my part in this? God, we, uh, uh, how can I give you a gift that is higher than anybody else that I give on my, on my Christmas list? So my wife and I, we set that goal every year. We've encouraged our kids to do the same, and now that's what they do. And so uh, I want to encourage you from uh, little age on downstairs, you'll see that they have a thermometer set up downstairs. I think they have that cross that was in the foyer with the, the boxes, and they're just going to keep filling that up down there. As, uh, and they, they encourage them. They talk a lot about our Ecuador missionaries as they've gotten to meet the Ecuador missionaries. So I want to encourage you. Here's one of the missionaries on the list today, Scott and Jenny Phillips. This picture here is, uh, you can tell they are, they're, they have a lot of fun. Look at them with their Vikings hats on there, right? And uh, so they, they enjoy, they've got a big family. They enjoy having a lot of fun. They come and go to Indonesia, and they go to the Deo tribe out in, uh, in the tribal area of Indonesia. So uh, this next picture is a picture of their family, just a, kind of a little bit more serious picture, a little bit of an older picture there. I'm going to show you just some action shots. Here they are. They have to get in. 
by helicopter to get down into the <clears throat> into the tighter areas of the jungle. And these are just some of the pictures of them ministering. Here's, here's Jenny, his wife, as uh, they go in. What they actually had to do is they went into an area and they had to teach these people how to, how, how to have a written language. They didn't even have a written language. So they went in and they listened to it. They're kind of like the new tribes missionaries that you heard back in the day. They go in and they listen and they, they figure out what are they actually saying? How do we translate this? This is somebody that's uh, just enjoying a time of, uh, after hearing a Bible study here. She, you can just see the rejoicing and excitement on their face. This next picture is just the, one of the tribal looks of the people there that they're ministering to. And then the last picture here is of Wikipi. Wikipi was their first convert in that, in that place. Wikipi has an interesting story. He, uh, he's another one of these guys that had a dream of somebody coming to bring good news to their tribe. And so, and they talked about this generational dream that was handed down about somebody that would come and it was a, it was a tall, pale-skinned person that would come. And who shows up there but this tall, pale-skinned Scott Phillips. And he comes into this tribe and he gives them Jesus. And so, uh, this man has since gone to be with the Lord, but this was their very first convert that came to know the Lord out in that area. So I want to encourage you, as you're giving, you're giving to real people, and we're put on the birthday gift to Jesus list, and, and these go out to help and encourage these families as, as they come and go on their missions. And, uh, Scott and Jenny, they, they kind of, they come, they, they go from the States back and forth over, they make multiple trips, and, uh, God has been using them in some incredible ways. So I want to encourage you, everybody on that list has a story. And so just be praying about, about your part. God, how could you use me to help bless these folks? And as you give, please designate your gift to the birthday gift to Jesus, and it will go directly there. Anything that comes in over and above the goal, we send directly out. So we take it all for missions, and we support it all for the missionaries. And uh, last year we were able to go well over the goal, and we were excited to be able to do that. And this year we're praying that God will do incredible things again. So let's just continue to pray. I want to thank you for your faithfulness in giving. God has been so good to our church. Um, I'm thankful for the things that we're able to do up here on the hill. Um, just uh, as we get ready for Christmas, you know, we, we talk about missions around the world. Well, we shine bright at home. The light that shines the brightest, the furthest, shines the brightest at home. And so we, we are all about bringing people to Jesus. And again, your story, I look around the auditorium, and I, as I see your faces, I'm reminded of your stories. The first day that you came in, the first day that you might have responded to the gospel. And I hear many of these things happening all around our church. And so as you respond to the Lord, this is an exciting time for us. So I want to encourage you, use Christmas as a time to bring somebody to Christ. It's a wonderful opportunity. And uh, just, hey, invite, would you come sit with me in church? Uh, enjoy, enjoy a Sunday service with you. Next week we're going to begin our Christmas series. So uh, and, and invite somebody to come and just enjoy, enjoy Christmas service with you. And invite them to Christmas Eve. That's why we do them at 2, 4, and 6. We're here all day on Christmas Eve because we know many people have family gatherings. And so if maybe you can come to church at 2 o'clock before you hit that family gathering. Or maybe you come at 6 after you've had a family gathering. And, uh, and so if anybody wants to have a midnight one, you, you see me. I'll, I'll meet you somewhere, all right? We'll do that at midnight. But anyhow, we're glad that, uh, glad, glad that God has given us the opportunity. We want to bring people to Christ. And I know you do. And that's what, we're, what our mission is about. So thank you for giving. As you give unto the Lord, these are the things that we get to do together as a church. 
We're moving forward and we're just watching God move in mighty ways. Let's pray, shall we? Our Father and our God, we come before you, Lord, and we thank you for your people, Lord. I thank you that the, the church family is, is, is gigantic, Lord. God, as we gathered on Wednesday night, we were just able to, to rally around you and rally around your goodness and, and say thank you, Lord. Thank you for all the good that you've done in and through us, Lord. We just ask now, God, that you'll continue to bless and you'll continue to do many great and mighty things. Lord, may you be honored, may you be adored by your people here today. Father, we thank you for our ability to give to you, Lord. You have given to us, and as we respond in giving to you, Lord, we say thank you. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for everything that you've done. And God, uh, we ask that you will bless each gift and each giver. Lord, I ask that you'll work in mighty ways as we open your word here in just a little bit. In your name we pray. Amen. to God be 
Amen. What a powerful song with a powerful voice. Thanks be to God for people using their gifts for the Lord. Amen. Let's thank God for that this morning. What a beautiful, beautiful time. Today, that's what I want to talk about is the... Thank you, Cal. I want to to talk about this thought of giving God true thanks. You know, whenever we go through a holiday like Thanksgiving, it's easy to call it Thanksgiving and give little thanks. It's easy to, uh, to have a big meal and watch lots of football and uh, rake the leaves and get your Christmas lights up, right? And, well, actually, there's nothing easy about the Christmas lights anymore, but it's easy to get distracted by all the things that you've got to do and forget what Thanksgiving really is. So Thanksgiving was a holiday that our president set out for us. It was Abraham Lincoln. If you go back, you'll see Abraham Lincoln first declared Thanksgiving, a day of, a national day of thanks for our country in the middle of the Civil War. And when you think about that, that in the middle of, of a tough time, what Thanksgiving would do, how it unites the country, how it would unite you, how it would help you through a tough time. So today, what I want to look at is not a day of Thanksgiving, but unleashed. I want to unleash a life of Thanksgiving. And so that's the topic today is unleashed. And if you follow along in your bulletin, you're going to see that there's, there's one sentence. It's got three parts to it. But you know me, it'll take me a lot longer to say one sentence than just a minute, right? So as you go through this this morning, I want you, I want you to fill out the outline and, and just kind of follow me. But I want to encourage you to unleash thanksgiving in your life. What would it look like if your life were unleashed with thanksgiving? Like if God, the, the thanksgiving in your life was all the time. It wasn't just... Um, uh, something that you did on Thanksgiving, and you set it around the table, and you had a few nice things that you said, well, I'm thankful for this, I'm thankful for that. Uh, I was reading some prayers that kids have actually prayed. These were some of the prayers that children have actually prayed. Please help mom, because she's really bugging me. Um, Lord, please bless that I don't have to eat this. It looks really disgusting. Those, are, those children are just so honest, aren't they? I love it. Please help the dinosaurs to come back to life, but just the kind that eat leaves and not people, right? Um, listen, as, as we come and we look at our prayer life, many times we are, we are overwhelmed with the things of the world. We're overwhelmed with the hard times. We're overwhelmed with hardship and things that are just overwhelming in our life. And, uh, and we, begin, we begin to forget what we're really able to thank the Lord for. The scripture is actually filled with this concept of thanksgiving. If you go over to Colossians chapter 2, verse 6 and 7, 2 verse 6 and 7 says, Just as you receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, continue to live in Him, rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thanksgiving. That's the key phrase there today, overflowing with thanksgiving. I want to encourage you to live a life that is overflowing with thanksgiving. And when you have a life that is overflowing, uh, remember, overflow, it's like you, you have a cup and the cup is full. If somebody bumps into that cup, what comes out is what's on the inside. And so for our life, it is the overflowing. It's like it is, it is, you can't contain the thankfulness. 
You can't contain this gratefulness that we have to the Lord. Overcome, overflowing with thanksgiving. What would it look like for your life if it, if it were overflowing with thanksgiving? And I really believe if we take this one sentence today and we were to put it into practice, that it would really change our life. It would have some radical input on our life. All right? So it's got three sections to the one sentence. Number one, the first part is when grace flows in. Read it with me. When grace flows in. When grace flows in, when the grace of God begins to flow in, then I can really understand why I can be thankful. But what happens is that we miss this concept of grace. Grace is a church word, isn't it? Maybe it's something that you say at home. Let's say grace around the table, right? And so you, you have grace. Grace is like, it's kind of this, it's a big word. It's like going to the, uh, going to the Grand Canyon and just calling it a big hole. Um, grace is magnanimous. It is much bigger than anything that we can truly wrap our minds around. But I want, want to give you some thoughts here about grace. We talk a lot about it, but I think that quite often, myself included, that we miss the, the depth of grace. We miss what it means for God's grace on our life. Um, do we really understand the grace of God and what it means to me? In Ephesians chapter 1, if you go through the, the early verses of each Ephesians chapter 1, Paul tells the church at Ephesus, he says that we have been loved by God, we've been adopted into his family, he says that God chose us, he further goes on, he talks about the grace of God and the context of that God has placed us in his family. So the grace of God is incredible. He has saved us. We deserve to go to hell. And God says, no, I have given you grace. You're not going to get what you deserve. You're going to get my grace. And my grace is going to give you this opportunity to go to heaven through my son, Jesus Christ. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 6 and 7. To the praise of the glorious grace. Praise of his glorious grace. Which has freely given, which he has freely given us in the one that he loves. In him we have redemption. Through his blood, through the blood of Jesus Christ, we have redemption. The forgiveness of sins according, according to the grace of the riches of God's grace. And so as you under, as we start to understand this, first of all, he says that we, we praise his glorious grace, like we praise him for his grace. It was God who freely gave, God gave you a gift. And so when you think about grace this morning, think of this in the simplest of terms, it's a gift. A gift is something that you cannot earn, you cannot do anything to get the gift, you just simply receive it. In Him, in Jesus Christ, He redeemed us through His blood and He has given us the forgiveness of our sins. And so there it is. It's a gift. And how do you respond when somebody gives you a gift? Well, in 1995, uh, I think this is a good illustration of grace. In 1995, there was actually a strike among the baseball, Major League Baseball players. Contracted players were holding out for more and more money. There's a lot of resistance from the owners, and the owners said, well, we're going to go ahead and start the season anyhow. And so they came up with what was known as replacement players. And so, um, so they came up with these replacement players, and what they did was they opened up their teams to virtually anybody who could fill the ball and swing a bat. Some guys who were coaching Little League one week became Major League players the next week. 
Um, if you go out there and you, you read about this, it's very interesting. I saw there's a, a list of some of these guys that never had Major League Baseball experience before that day and uh, ended up with a career after that. Max Lucado writes about this experience in 1995. He says that the games weren't fancy, mind you. One manager said that a pitcher threw the ball so slowly that the radar gun, that the radar gun couldn't even clock it. But oh, did these guys have fun. They arrived before the park was open, oiling their gloves, cleaning their cleats. They thanked the attendants for washing their uniforms. They thanked the caterers for the food. They thanked the fans for paying a dollar to come and watch them. These guys didn't see themselves as a blessing to baseball. They saw baseball as a blessing to them. In that short season, the Phillies gave away free hot dogs and soda, and, the trade, uh, and in the trade of that year, the Cleveland Indians gave five players to the Cincinnati Reds absolutely free. So what makes this intriguing? What made it magical? Quite simple. These were all guys who were living a life that they didn't deserve, and they were chosen not because they were good, but just simply because they were willing. And they knew it. There was no jockeying for position. There was no second-guessing the management. No strikes, no walkouts, no lockouts. These guys didn't even have names on the back of their jerseys, but they were just thrilled to be on the team. And I'll tell you what, I think that that's the same way we've got to understand the family of God. We are just thrilled to be in the family of God. I am just so thrilled to be the Son of the Most High. I am the Son of God. Isn't that awesome? You are a son or a daughter of the Lord, of the most holy God of the universe. And so when you understand that you didn't earn this, there's, God didn't say, you know what, I'm going to just, uh, because I like you, because you've done something more. No, no, God says, listen, I have given my grace to you. We did not earn this. And so for many of us, we struggle with this because we, we, we have this concept of roles and regulations with God. We have a concept that God has always got his thumb on me. And if I don't do right, he's going to get me. And if I, if I don't give 100%, if I don't do this, if I don't do that, that God is somehow going to uh, really be upset with me. And we have this rules and regulations and we don't understand his grace. As you look in the Old Testament, you will see all those rules and regulations. And Jesus came, he died on the cross and he paid for Every one of our sin. All those laws of the Old Testament were there to show us that we needed the Savior. And so when we come into this world, uh, I, want, I want to give you this encouragement. Look here at Romans 8.31. Romans is a powerful book. It says, What then shall we say in response to these things? In response to the grace of God and the response of who, who He is. If God is for us, who can be against us? If God is for us, say that with me. If God is for us, who can be against us? Folks, I want to encourage you. God is for you. Do you ever think of that? Like we, we struggle with that because, because we think of, well, God is big. And what do you mean he's for me? It says right here in the script, scripture, if God is for us, who can be against us? It doesn't say that. Uh, he might be for you, that he was for you, that if you're good enough, he might be for you. It says, it doesn't say that he could be for you. It says that God is for us. 
And as you go and you read in the context there, it's, uh, he's talking about the children of God, those that have responded to his grace. God is for us. And so when you think about that, no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, God is for you. What? See, that's grace. That's the gift of God. Well, you say, but Pastor Ken, you don't understand what I have done. I don't, but God does. God knows everything you've done, and he has still chosen to give you the gift of grace. Now, isn't that awesome? Do you know any human that would love you like that? There's no human that can love you like that. That's the love of God. That's the grace of God. So if God is for us, who can be against us? And as we look through the scriptures there, we see that, uh, uh, that we, we see that this powerful moment that God is for us. Again, another quote from Max Lucado. He, he says this about that passage. He says, God is for you. God is for you. If he had a calendar, your birthday would be circled. If he drove a car, your name would be on his bumper. If there's a tree in heaven, he would have carved your name in it. And, and so I, when we hear that, we say, oh, that just messes with me. And may I just share this with you? Yes. You know why it messes with us? Because it's the grace of God. God and, and if I could wake up every morning and begin to understand the grace of God, that God knows my name and I'm not here by accident, how many hair are left on my head is not an accident. That is the power of God. God has a plan for my life. He has a plan for your life. And you're going through some hard times. You're going through difficult times. And listen, may you understand that God is with you. This is the complete grace of God. You know, uh, as you look through the Scriptures, you just see this grace all over this. And so His nature is to... Uh, the nature of God is to give grace. That is in the very nature and character of who He is. He gives grace. He gives good things to us who do not deserve it. I am not standing up here because of my pedigree, because of my legacy. No, I'm standing up here because God has allowed me this opportunity to share the good news of Jesus Christ. And that's what he's done for your life. He's given you this good news, this opportunity to have a relationship with him. Isaiah chapter 30, uh, verse 18. Oh, I love this verse. Yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you. Therefore, he will rise up to show you compassion. Uh, catch the nature of God here. He's talking here in context to the nation of Israel. But I want you to catch here the, 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 the nature of who God is. He longs to be gracious to us. This is the very character of who he is. And he, he has, a, he, he longs, he, he wants to give his grace. He wants to, wants you to receive his grace. Do you really believe that? Do, do you really understand that? Do you really understand that the, that the God of the universe wants a relationship with you? That the God of the universe died on the cross to pay for your sin? And this isn't just about, hey, I have met some rule requirement. No, this is, listen, that requirement was taken care of on the cross. The only perfect Son of God died on the cross and paid for your sin. He was buried. He rose again. He's given you eternal life. And now He says, I want you to follow me. I want you. That's the grace of God. Uh, some people, other people will say, you know, um, well, that's nice, but you know what? I'm, I'm kind of a, I'm kind of all right. I'm kind of a good person. And, uh, and, and I kind of deserve that. 
Well, may I share with you what God says about that? Romans 3.10, God says that there is no one that seeks after him. There is no one righteous. No one. No, not one. Jeremiah 17.9 says that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? The heart. Our heart, we've got to, we have to understand. Without Christ, that's where we're at. And so Isaiah says that we've all gone astray. Paul says that without Christ, we're under the dominion of Satan. Uh, he says in Ephesians that we are by nature uh, sinful and willfully sinful creatures. And so when, without Christ, this is our, our condemnation. We have condemnation separated from God forever and ever and a real place called hell, the Bible says. But Jesus came to die on the cross for us. And so on, uh, on one hand, people say, well, I'm really bad. I, I need grace. And other people will say, well, I'm not that bad. I kind of deserve that. Whoa, 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 whoa. It's only one sin it takes to send us to hell. That's it. And so God says, I have came and I have died on the cross. I have paid for your sin. And so it is the heart that's deceitfully wicked. And so when we come to understand how big and how majestic and how holy, how perfect that the Lord is... Then you begin to understand His grace. And without Christ, our souls are dark. And we need the light of Christ in our life. My prayer for you this morning is that you'll never get over the grace of God. Never get over the grace of God. Like, it wasn't like grace was some foundational doctrine and then you move on. No, no. Without grace, we don't have Christianity. Without grace, you don't have salvation. And we've got to come back and remember the grace of God. And so God is always giving you grace. He's giving me grace every day of my life. The first thing that you've got to understand is if you want to live a life of gratitude is that grace flows in. The second thing here is that when grace flows in, gratitude fills up. All right? Would you read that with me? When grace flows in, the gratitude fills up. You see, now, as, 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 the, as I start to understand the grace of God, my condition before God, what Jesus did for me, now the gratitude begins to fill up on the inside. I, I get to remove grumbling and complaining. Have you ever noticed how, how quick we are to grumble and complain? Have you ever noticed that? I, I'm, I have, I'm watching, I'm, I'm learning about myself. I'm still learning about myself, right? I understand that I can grumble and complain quicker than I can be thankful. This morning is a great example. I go out the door, I'm like, it's too cold. Isn't that amazing what you can do? Just over, I, I, Like yesterday was worse. I went out yesterday, I thought, I'm done. I'm over this. You know, have, have you ever, like, I can't believe I caught myself telling my wife, I'm over this weather. Like I'm somehow going to change it, unless I'm going to get up and move down uh, to the Caribbean because it's even cold in Florida half the time. Uh, l- listen, it's, it's like when grace flows in, gratitude fills up. And so I can go real quick to begin to complain and talk about the things that are bug me. In the meantime, God has given me so much. You know, you go out and you complain about the cold and, you know, that little steam that comes out of your mouth at this time of year. I should be thanking God that there's still breath coming out of this mouth. And, and you see that there's a big difference. God gave me breath today. Instead, I was complaining because it's too cold and I felt it. 
And God says, listen, I want you to understand. I want you to come back to the grace. And, and when you start to understand the grace, that, that fills up. It, go back to the very Garden of Eden. Now, think about this. I bet you've never thought about it like this. Adam and Eve are placed in the garden. They've been given everything. Everything. What did they do? They go after the one thing that they didn't have. One, one tree. Don't eat of this. So what do they do? Well, God must... And there it is, unthankfulness. Really? Like God gave you... Did you ever do that with your kids? You know, I, some of you have little kids out there, and you start, you start on Christmas Day, you know, you watch them, they get more happy about the boxes afterwards. You know how fun that is? Like, you went shopping, you lost your mind, and your, your five-year-old's pretty happy with a box. And you're like, what? I can't believe that. Um, listen, and we lose our mind. And so this is what happens here. Um, Adam and Eve, they're in the garden, and they, they became preoccupied with what they didn't have. They, they came over here and they said, you know, that's, all this is nice, but this here, we got to have that. And so, so there was a lack of gratitude at that point. We're so much like that. We're, we're so quick to grumble and complain. Um, you have to remind your kids sometimes, hey, that room that you live in is mine. Yeah? You're trying to tell your kid to clean the room, and they say, Why? That's fun, isn't it? Why? Yeah. How many times did your parents say, don't ask why? And then how many times did I say that, don't ask why? And now they're adults. Now they know why. <laughs> Good for you. Happy. Anyhow, move on. God says to us, you know that house you live in? It's mine. We do that to our kids. Hey, you know, you, you were complaining. You know that TV you're complaining about? It's not big enough. Hey, that's mine. Uh, just just be happy. Hey, you know that food that you didn't want to eat? Hey, listen, that, that, that's ours. Uh, uh, what, what's wrong with you complaining? You're complaining because it's, it's not good enough. And this is what we do in our life. We come along and we forget the grace of God. We, for, we forget how much the grace of God has flown down onto us. And we, we can go into some of these other areas. And so I'm not just talking about uh, gratitude because you have something. I, I want to get to the depth of gratitude. Because when, when you understand the gift of God has graced you, gratitude is not dependent upon your circumstances. This is where we all, we all miss it on Thanksgiving. Many times we'll say, I, somebody, people say to me, and I have said this myself, well, hey, you know what? There's a lot, a lot of people who have it worse than I do. I should still be thankful. That's, that's a good perspective. But let me tell you, the people who have it worse than you do, they've got the perspective because they're thankful. You go down to Haiti, all these missionaries that we're supporting around the world, go down to Haiti and Ecuador and uh, go to the, to the tribal people. Um, yeah, they're, they're not looking for air conditioning and heating like we have. They're not looking for hot water like we have. They're not looking for a car. They're not looking for anything. And they're thankful. They, they respond to the Lord in thanks, and, and God has blessed them, and, and they're thankful. And so, so gratitude is not dependent upon circumstances. I'm going to give you a good example here of gratitude. There, there was a guy in the Bible. Um, he's known as a minor prophet. There are a number of prophets in the Old Testament that we call minor prophets, not because they're any less, but because their books are shorter. 
This guy is Habakkuk. He has three chapters. If you have a paper Bible, it's where your pages are sticking together, okay? Because you probably haven't read too much of Habakkuk lately, right? So if you go into Habakkuk chapter 1, Habakkuk chapter 1, Habakkuk talks and he does this. He complains to the Lord. He says, God, these people are having so many problems. He goes on about, God, are you there? Uh, God, what are you doing? I don't understand. And, And he basically goes through this complaining before the Lord. And then you get over to chapter 3. So he's only got three chapters in the Bible. And so you come to the last chapter, and towards the end of the chapter, um, he, he sings the song a little differently now. He goes from saying, Lord, I find myself praying all the time, and you don't seem to be answering. Uh, why are the righteous people suffering? It looks like the wicked people are prospering. The fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines. Though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pens and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my Savior. And listen, so this is this man, you know what changed for him? His perspective. He was not thanking God for his circumstances. He was saying, even if my circumstances don't change. And you know what happened? You know what changed from chapter 1 to chapter 3? Nothing. Nothing changed. His circumstances were in bad. They were in dire straits. And he says, though none of these things are happening, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be glad in God my Savior. So I want to encourage you today. When nothing makes sense, when struggles seem more than you can bear, Remember that God gives you strength. When times are tough, take your eyes off of your difficulties and look unto the Lord. Because here's what happens. If we're going to our circumstances for thankfulness, you can't be thankful. Because your circumstances may be good today, tomorrow they're not. Today they may be bad, tomorrow they may be. And so this heart that God's calling us to have is not something that's reliant on if things are going okay. It is, a, it is an issue of, of coming before the Lord. First Thessalonians 5.18 says it well. It says, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God. You know, as, I, as we're walking the journey with many people in our church right now, there are a number of people that are going through some suffering. I know of about six people this morning that I've prayed for today and asking the Lord to continue to help. And uh, as we're, we're coming before the Lord for many families in our church, listen, for them, their circumstances are, are not happy. Their circumstances are hard. They're challenging. But they cannot look to their circumstance for their joy. They come to the Lord for their joy. Their circumstances are bad. Many of you, there are many more than six people that I know of in our church that are going through suffering. Those are just the ones that are coming to my head this morning. I want you to know that there are that God is working in your life. And God says, look, you don't come to the circumstance for your thankfulness. You come before God. Let me give you another example of something like that. This, uh, this is a picture here of Bethany Hamilton. Bethany Hamilton was 13 years old at the time of her accident. She was surfing off the coast of Hawaii. What a beautiful place to go surfing, I guess, huh? 
She was off the coast of Hawaii surfing when she was attacked by a tiger shark. As you can see in the picture there, she ends up losing her arm. Um, as she was attacked, she knew that this event would change her life forever. As a matter of fact, at one point while they, you know, they're rescuing her from this attack, uh, they were concerned that she could possibly have bled to death. And within 30 days of her attack, now she's a 13-year-old young girl. She's a follower of Jesus Christ. Within 30 days of her attack, let me read to you what she said as a young person. She says, there's no time machine. I can't change what happened. This was God's plan for my life, and I'm going to go with it. She goes on to say, she says, I might not even be here if I hadn't asked God for help. And who knows, maybe it's all so that I can tell others about God and help them get to heaven. They went on to make a movie about her, and that movie is known as Soul Surfer. You can go watch that movie. It's a great movie about about her life and about how this tragic accident and about how she overcame. She goes around speaking today. She goes around sharing good news and tells people about Jesus Christ. And she says, listen, this arm is, what am I going to do? I cannot change this. This arm is gone. My circumstances are not fun. They're not good. And I want to encourage you today. Um, that remarkable testimony of this young 13-year-old girl who's, who's obviously older now and is out and, out and about and, and, uh, and doing her ministry that God's called her to do. I, I want to encourage you to think about life like that. You know, I think of one of our own. I think of Eric McElvenny, as he shared just a few weeks ago in here, losing his leg in Afghanistan. And Boy, I'll tell you what. He's not under the circumstances. You know, it's so easy to get under the circumstance. How many times have I used that statement? Under the circumstances, I'm doing pretty good. I, I've watched Eric McElvenny uh, over the last many years here as he has overcome the circumstances through the power of God. And he goes around and he tells people who Jesus is. He's excited about God. He, he is, why? Because he has a heart of thankfulness. He understands the gratitude that, that comes from the grace of God. And so the gratitude is filling up. You see, when you realize that I, I have no hope but for Christ, boy, the gratitude naturally fills up. Um, protect your heart. You've got to protect your heart. That's what God says in His Word. He talks about guarding your heart. So when you come and you guard your heart, you guard your heart with gratitude. And so our heart is a fragile thing, folks. And so what we have to do is we have to, we have to guard it with gratitude. So whenever I go out in the morning and I'm thinking about, boy, it's cold today and I hate this weather. Oh, not allowed to say hate, right? I don't like this weather, right? My perspective's got to begin to change because now I'm saying, okay, Lord, Guard my heart, because if I start complaining there, where's the rest of the day going to go? Whenever I have a real issue that's going to be harmful, where's it going to go? So I guard my heart with gratitude. As a matter of fact, Ephesians says a lot about this. Ephesians 3 and 4 says this, Let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. Such sins have no place among God's people. Obscene stories, foolish talk, Coarse jokes, filthy language, things that come out of our mouth all the time. These are not for you, the Scripture says. But look what he says to replace it with. He says, instead, but rather, 
give thanks. These things, those coarse jestings, these silly talk, these things are not fitting for a follower of Christ, but rather the giving of thanks. He tells us, instead, let there be thankfulness to God. So as we come before the Lord, we guard our heart with thanksgiving. We guard it with gratitude. And, and then, then I want to encourage you to, to, to look at your life and look at cynicism and pride, materialism. This is what we guard our heart with. We come, we come to our heart and we say, all right, I don't have to be so cynical. I can be praising the Lord. I, I don't have to make other people feel bad to feel good about myself. All I have to do is understand that I am forgiven by God and respond to Him and let that, let that gratitude flow up because I am a sinner who's been saved by grace. I want to encourage you to stay in the moment. Like, like keep it real every day. Oh, this is one of my favorite verses. We used to quote this verse all the time when I was a kid. And, and I even hesitated to pull it out today because for many people it's like, oh, it's just an overused verse. But I don't think you can overuse any verse, can you? Psalm 118, verse 24. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Read it with me. This is the day which the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Man, put that on your dashboard. I mean, not on the windshield, on the dashboard, right? Put it on your dashboard. Put it on your refrigerator. Put it on your glasses. Man, let that be your heart. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice. I will be glad. You know why? Because you don't have tomorrow. Yesterday is gone. Just like Bethany Hamilton said. Yep, that was God's plan for my life. I'm going to go with it. You could sit there and be mad and bitter. She became better. And that's what God will allow us to do. When the trials come into our life, we don't have to get bitter. We get to get better because of who he is. Uh, so I want to encourage you, would you be willing to make uh, a day of no complaints? Like, just, just catch yourself. It's so easy, the, the, the things that we complain about. Express your gratitude to God every day, not just on a holiday. Uh, God has given you so much. You can easily find the list of gripes. You can easily find the list of complaining. Paul told us over in Philippians, he says, do everything without grumbling and complaining. So I want to encourage you, do everything without grumbling and complaining. Everything. Walking up the steps. I'm hitting home here, folks. Walking up. I don't have to say, oh, who put these steps here? Every Sunday. No, I'm just kidding. Listen, it's like, man, thank the Lord. And if you can't walk up the steps, thank the Lord that somebody helped you get up the steps. Thank the Lord. And listen, God, you have done this. This is the day that the Lord has made. I'm going to rejoice because I get to glorify God today. Um, And so, as we begin to do this, grace flows down. All right? The gratitude fills up. And then thirdly this morning, the goodness flows out. The good things come in your life. The goodness flows out to other people. If you've ever gotten around somebody who's complaining and negative, you don't want to get around them again. Have you ever noticed that? Somebody that's negative, you say, okay, I think I'll let them go. They just bit my head off. Uh, for something you didn't, it didn't even have anything to do with you, right? They bit your head off because whatever, you know, da 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 the world, whatever. 
Yeah, listen. Grace flows down. Gratitude fills up. And the overflow, the goodness of God overflows, comes out of your heart into other people's life. You are kind. You're more loving. You are more pleasant when you let the grace of God flow down and the gratitude fill up. In the scriptures, Jesus was invited over to the house of a Pharisee. His name was Simon. It's over in Luke chapter 7. And Jesus was invited into this Pharisee's home. And as he was invited into the Pharisee's home, uh, they're having dinner. And so he said he'd go and have dinner. And, and remember, there, the, the way to understand what was happening here, they would all recline. They didn't sit at a table like you and I do. It was kind of like they had the, the food here. You'd recline and your feet would be away from the food. And so a, a woman comes in, which, by the way, in that, day, in that day, the culture for a woman to come into this men's group, that was taboo. This woman comes in. She's an immoral woman, the Scripture says. And this immoral woman comes in, and she begins to cry. She begins to weep at the feet of Jesus. And the tears begin to fall off of her onto the feet of Jesus. And so she comes along with her, with the, with, uh, as the tears are flowing, she takes her hair and she wipes the feet of Jesus. She's kissing his feet. And then she anoints him with oil, uh, with, with perfume. And, and so here we find that, that the Simon the Pharisee, he gets really, really taken back by this. And let me show you what Jesus says. Jesus looks at them and he says, uh, Simon, I have something to tell you. And he says this, Luke seven forty one. he says, Two men owed money to a certain moneylender. Uh, a man loaned money. I'm going to read it off the screen here. Jesus told them this story. A man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one and 50 pieces to the other. But neither one of them could repay. So he kindly forgave them both. Of their, both he kindly forgave them both, canceling their debts. Why do you suppose, who do you suppose loved him more after that? Simon answered, I suppose the one whom he canceled the larger debt. That's right, Jesus said. Then Simon turned to the woman and said to Simon, uh, then he turned to the woman and he said to Simon, look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust off my feet. You didn't even bother to, to uh, the customary just to get the dust off my feet. Look what this lady did. This lady, she has washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but the first time I came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. I tell you, her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven, so she has shown much more love. She has shown me much love. But a person who is forgiven little only lives little. Only little loves. And then Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisee said, I deserve this. Because I'm really good. This immoral woman who the scripture doesn't even give us her name. He's crying at the feet of Jesus, and Jesus says, yep, she got my grace. She figured it out. And Simon, you call yourself a church leader? 
Simon, you think you've got it together? Simon, this lady here, look at her. She's responding to my grace. And that's my invitation to all of us. Let's respond to the grace of God every day. Every day. Let's close in prayer. With our heads bowed and eyes closed this morning, I, I want to encourage you to respond to the goodness of God. To come before Him and thank Him for all that He is. Uh, maybe this thing about grace is, is, is a struggle because we have been taught to be good. We have been taught that what you do matters and what you do does matter. But God says, you've got to understand with all of your goodness, you're not good enough. And so understand my grace is sufficient for you. Like the grace of God is sufficient for you. Would, would you respond to him? Like what, the, what button does that hit inside of your heart and soul today? And if it's not hitting that, maybe you need to go home today. And you need to you say, God, please speak to me. God, please allow me this opportunity to respond to you. God, grow this gratitude. I want it to overflow in my life. When grace flows in, gratitude flows up, fills up, and the goodness flows out. Father, be with each person as we take seriously the Word of God and respond to your goodness. In your name we pray. Amen. Would you stand with me, please? As we close with this song, just worshiping the Lord and giving thanks. Chill blows away and bonfire fire warms my 